3: Captains, you're listening to episode 259 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, February 18th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, February 22nd, at priorityonepodcast.com. I'm Kenna, and I'm Tony, and as always in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hi, everyone. So, Tony, what's coming up in this week's episode?
4: Well, Kenna and Trek It Out this week, we're talking about time travel, isolinear chips, and a couple new events Star Trek fans will get excited about this year. In STO news, and this is big, we're talking to Jeremy Randall, a.k.a. Borkus Cryptic, all about the new Skill Tree revamp that's just been announced. Later, Cookie and Elijah are discussing the TNG episode Haven in our on-screen segment. Finally, we've got a very special report from the astrometrics lab. Our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurt, is giving us the lowdown on the first detection of gravitational waves. And of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll be opening hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
3: Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so drop us a line on one of our social media channels. You can leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Send us a message on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash podcast, or follow us on Twitter at priority pod. You can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage.
4: And finally, thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. With your help, we can keep improving the quality and content of the show. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority1 and find out all about the Kugel perks we have to offer.
3: Speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. We're going to talk about time travel, and particularly time travel in Star Trek. Cause and there is a very good chance there's going to be some wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey stuff going on with the new Star Trek series.
4: Here, let me, I'll blow your mind in a different way, though. Maybe it's not the... Uh, yeah, okay, here we go. Maybe it's not the the collapse of the universe and then uh, and then it blowing up again to make a new one maybe what it is is that
3: you know is it a closed loop so it's you know uh, y- you can't change the past and if you go back to attempt to change the past you actually create the future that you came from this unscripted uncensored and unedited recording is available exclusively to our patreon subscribers
4: now let's trek out how time travel works in Star Trek. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. So I've been getting over a cold, as astute listeners can no doubt tell. I've had some killer sinus headaches with it, you know, the kind of cranial pain I'm talking about. The throbbing, pounding, relentless agony that makes you want to pull your eyes out of your skull just to relieve the pressure. You know, it's hard to describe to paint that word picture for you. So to give you, our audience, an analogous experience, I thought we'd just talk about time travel. In an article on Ars Technica, Zach Reseltny dives deep into the treatment of time travel in the Star Trek universe, covering everything from Gary Seven to the Department of Temporal Investigations and all points in between. Fifty years of headache-inducing plot lines and twists are dissected and analyzed to answer the question, how does time travel actually work in Star Trek? Spoiler alert, however it needs to. Typically, time travel stories fall into one of two categories. You kill Hitler, and the Nazis wind up with a used uniform shop in downtown Berlin. Or you try to kill Hitler, only to accidentally bump into a rabbi just before you pull the trigger and good old Adolf sees you wearing a yarmulke and a sheepish grin. Uh, Star Trek famously likes to mix and match both of them. they trapped its characters in time loops, like when Data's head is found buried under San Francisco. They've given them the chance to quantum leap stuff, like virtually the entire Temporal Cold War saga. Coincidence? I think not. And they've mixed up, like uh, when they trapped the ship in a time loop and then broken them out in the same episode, which brings us to our Ken Immunity question. Who had a better beard that episode? Kelsey Grammer or Jonathan Frakes?
3: Jonathan Frakes, obviously. Come
4: come on, make it a discussion. Make some tension with that, come on.
3: No, 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 that is pointless to ask me a question. You could ask the question, is blank better than Riker? No. Never. It's never going to be better than Riker.
4: Christopher Bennett, the author of the Department of Temporal Investigations books, believes that basically in Star Trek, timelines can converge, merge, and diverge, depending on both the actions of the time travelers and the dimension-bending plot devices they used to do the traveling. This wouldn't be Trek-It-Out without some real theoretical physics attached to it. The R's author tracked down some people who get paid to think about this stuff theoretical physicist Sabine Hossenfelder stated, quote, it's possible that tomorrow all our memories will reassemble and we all forget that Star Wars Episode I ever happened. And so for all practical purposes, the past has changed. It is possible, yes, but it's so exceedingly unlikely that you might as well say it's impossible, end quote. And regarding Mr. Bennett's explanation of Star Trek time travel, Sean Carroll of Caltech says, quote, I think that's a perfectly reasonable scenario by science fiction standards generally. And Star Trek... Standards in particular," end quote.
3: Yeah, I like I liked this article. it was an enjoyable read. It was a huge because, article. Yeah, um, but it was really nice to kind of bring together all the themes and and sort of lay them out and go. Actually, Star Trek is really inconsistent about how they treat time travel. But uh, do you know? I think it's okay.
4: Well, the the fun thing is is that the is, is Christopher Bennett, whose books I have not read, but always sort of meant to, and now maybe I should go check them out. Uh, is that he tried to sort of weave together all the inconsistencies and turn it into one gigantic more or less consistency. And then and then I, I especially like the quote from the Caltech guy, uh, Sean Carroll. He said, "Hey, you know, that's not bad for science fiction, and particularly Star Trek. I, I'm not quite sure how to take that. It's like, what, Star Trek is usually all over the place, so this is about the best you could do? Or... Wow, you know, I mean, I guess that maybe isn't you know terrible.
3: I think Star Trek is actually relatively consistent. I mean, they they sort of fall into one of a number of categories, but for for the most part, they all sort of have a pseudoscience explanation for why
4: They make the attempt.
3: Yeah, they do try to explain it. And to be fair, since we as humans don't really understand time travel, or if it even exists. It's all theoretical anyway, so you can kind of make the story fit the purpose. But it's nice that they try.
4: (laughs) You get a a thumbs up from the theoretical physics people. I suppose it's not impossible. Good try. I mean, that's, that's about as best you can expect.
3: Yeah, exactly. And since it's all theoretical anyway, you could just make a theory that means that it's all theoretical. So with this being the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, are you sick of hearing that yet? Anyway... (laughs) With this being the 50th anniversary, we're seeing loads of events all over the world that are celebrating the series. So this week, a new exhibition has been announced at the EMP Museum in Seattle, Washington, that aims to let fans, old and new, experience Star Trek's impact on popular culture. Now, for those of you not familiar, I just wanted to give a quick background on the EMP Museum. It's a special place to me because I spent quite a bit of my youth in Seattle and it was a really big deal when it was built back in 2000. Now when it was commissioned, the EMP was actually known as the Experience Music Project, although it no longer goes by that name. It was founded by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen and the main building was designed by the noted architect Frank Geary, who's probably best known for the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao, Spain. From the outside, the EMP is kind of an undulating, colorful metal blob. It was very controversial at the time because it contrasted so starkly against the very retro-futuristic clean lines of the neighboring Pacific Science Center and the Space Needle, both of which were designed for the 1962 World's Fair. Originally, the EMP was going to be dedicated just to guitarist Jimi Hendrix, who was born in Seattle, but over time, it expanded its reach and now has exhibits covering many aspects of pop culture, including music, cinema, gaming, and it's even the current home of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame. So all of this puts it in good stead to be the host of the new Star Trek Exploring New Worlds exhibit. It promises to be a fully immersive experience featuring plenty of props and costumes from across the range of Star Trek films and TV series. Some of the key pieces that will be there are Captain Kirk's command chair and the Enterprise's navigation console, original series costumes, and the filming model of the Enterprise D that was used in The Next Generation. There will also be a transporter simulator and my personal favorite, a con booth. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that will be about, but it sounds fun. <laughs> the exhibition starts on the 21st of May.
4: Maybe in that booth you'll be buried
3: alive. Buried alive. Uh, what?
4: Oh, come on. That's when you say con. Oh, you, oh, don't, know yeah, line, you don't know what line comes before con. No. no. Oh, you people, you kids, you pups. Ugh.
3: Do, you, do you even know how many times I've watched that film? I just. Once. I, I'm so. I, th- no. I, I'll have you know, it's a lot more than that because I actually did a did a recut for my own purposes. I took the Wrath of Khan, right, and recut it as a trailer. You've seen it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Recut yeah, it yeah. as yeah. a trailer with the with the sabotage. With sabotage
4: on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beyond
3: yeah. trailer. And it turned out pretty good, but I watched I watched that film a lot of
4: times. Yeah. For that. But, you don't know, Ricardo Mont- Ricardo Montalban's great bit. I shall leave you. I shall leave you as you left her. Buried for all eternity in the center of a dead planet.
1: Buried alive. Buried alive.
4: And then... Khan! No? Dude, Tony,
3: I just got chills.
4: Good. Good. That's right. That's why Khan was the best villain ever. Khan has the best lines.
3: Well, Ricardo Maltabon, was he the original Khan in the series? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He- honestly yeah he was an excellent villain he just nailed it but and it is the best uh, Star Trek film ever isn't it winters
4: bite me isn't it winters <laughs> <laughs> all right guys one of these things is not like the other isolinear chips optolithic data rods kryptonian memory crystals don't look at the answer which, which one which one's not like the other well, the answer is, for those of you playing along at home, isolinear chips, they're flat. The other ones are like sticks. Also, those other ones are also sci-fi fantasy techno babble. The isolinear chips are real now. Now, we covered this a while back, either on this show or that other one I do. It's pretty good. You should check it out. But we covered them as experimental Superman memory crystals. But now it's been tested. And one, it's a thin, flat disc. So, no, not Superman. And two... They've been used to store some of the great works of human composition, not messages from your dad who left you in an interplanetary picnic basket on the doorstep of some farm in Kansas. So again, not Superman. The University of Southampton has stored in permanent laser-etched nanostructured quartz the Bible, the Magna Carta, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and Newton's Optics. That last one is super handy if you want to shoot light beams at glass stuff. The researchers are looking for investors, so if you know anybody who needs 360 terabytes stored at temperatures up to 1,000 degrees Celsius for 13 billion years on inch-wide glass discs, eh, give them a ring.
3: Hey, can I point something out? Yes. seems a bit silly to put Newton's optics onto this glass stuff that will tell you how to shoot light beams at glass stuff, because presumably... You'd need to know it in order to actually be able to read anything on it, but...
4: We should carve it into a stone tablet and put it next yeah, to it.
3: exactly. Very
4: good idea. Maybe,
3: maybe some papyrus.
4: It, it would burn or melt or something. You need something that'll withstand those temperatures for billions of years. Yeah.
3: All right. Stone tablet, then.
4: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
3: And finally, uh, in some really exciting news that will interest parents out there... NASA and the American Society of Mechanical Engineers have teamed up with Star Trek to sponsor the Star Trek Replicator Challenge. This is a new contest that's just been announced and it's asking kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to create 3D printable models of food related items that could be used by astronauts on future missions. Examples would be knives or other flatware, storage boxes, that type of thing. There are multiple categories based on age and a variety of prize packages. The grand prize winners for the oldest age groups will win a trip to New York City to meet a real live NASA astronaut and tour the decommissioned Enterprise Space Shuttle. Sadly not that Enterprise, the other one. Other prizes include 3D printers and Star Trek mystery prize packs. Sadly, if you read the rules, they're looking for food-related items, so I don't think we'll be seeing replicated Big Macs anytime soon, but this is a great way to get kids inspired and also have a chance at some really awesome prizes. The contest runs now through May 1st, with winners being announced on July the 5th. For more information, we'll leave a link to the official contest website in the show notes for this episode at priority forward slash PO259. And that brings us to this week's community question. If you could replicate anything, what would it be?
4: Now let's talk to Jeremy Randall about the new skill
2: tree revamp in Star Trek Online.
3: Security clearance level three or above is required
2: to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization: Cisco Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed.
3: Welcome, captains, to the part of the show where Mark and I take you through the important news of the week in Star Trek Online. This week, there basically is no bigger news that the long-awaited skill system revamp has hit the triple test server that's right it's happening people so this week we have a very special edition of stone news to help us out we've brought back your friend and mine jace hello and we are joined by our special guest jeremy randall aka bordicus staff systems designer for star trek online jeremy welcome back
5: thanks for having me
3: okay so mark why don't you kick us off
6: Right. The skill system revamp is something we've been anticipating for a long time. Can you give an overview of the new system and how it's changed from what currently exists on the main Holodex server?
5: Sure. It's hard to give a brief overview, so uh, forgive me if I get a little wordy here. But (laughs) The main change is that instead of earning skill points incrementally as you level up and then spending little chunks of 100, 200, 300, 1000, whatever, at a time on your skills, uh, that whole system has been... Uh, simplified. So now every time you level, from levels 5 to 50, you will earn one space point. And then you can spend that one space point in our new skill tree to unlock one skill. Very simple, straightforward. I think it's very discoverable and easy to understand on, on that level. You will also get ground points at every 5 level increments from 5 to 50 for a total of 10 points.
3: Okay, that raises a good point that you said about that it's sort of discoverable and a little more possibly intuitive, simplified. What was the sort of motivation behind doing this revamp?
5: Well, there were many, many motivations behind it, but I think, I guess what it comes down to is that we all felt, and a great many of our players felt, that the old skill system was a bit arcane, a bit difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. I think calling it a bit actually is an understatement. It was quite difficult (laughs) to understand. (laughs) It took a lot of learning and research to actually understand under the old system how to get the most out of your character. And there were a lot of little quirks in there that that didn't make a whole lot of sense as well as Mm -hmm. a lot of skills that pretty much nobody purchased because they were seen as throwaways or um, what in other RPGs you might call a dump tat. So with the revamp, well... Suffice it to say that the old system just didn't meet all of our goals. Now, keeping in mind that the old system that a lot of players are used to is actually already the result of one revamp. Those of you that have been around long enough to remember what the skill system was at launch, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The previous revamp did a lot of things very well and laid down a lot of groundwork for for making Star Trek a, a, a game that more people can understand. But it ultimately didn't really go far enough. So with the new skill revamp we just we took it even farther to the core um, the core design goals we wanted to simplify and demystify the process of leveling up, as well as uh, reinforce the fact that each time you gain a level in the game, it should mean something. It should yeah. be meaningful and impactful. So now you get a point that you can spend to uh, increase the effectiveness of your character in very impactful ways under this new system.
3: Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's more in line with what you've done with the specialization points. Yeah. Um. So I'm guessing this has been in the works for a while because of the scope of everything that's been going on. So how long have your team been working on this? And I think Al was talking about it back at STLV in very vague terms, obviously. But yeah, what, so, you, what year yeah, so is how it? How long has it been going Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2016. Yeah.
5: We have known since probably less than a year after the previous revamp that we didn't quite hit the nail on the head. And so the the concept of an, another skill revamp has been around for that long. So that's mm-hmm. like, I think that's three years now that we've been yeah. thinking about it. Really getting down into the nitty gritty of putting ideas on paper and laying out our design goals and having meetings and discussing all of this sort of stuff probably only happened... Maybe six to eight months ago, okay. and we've been working, the real work only started about four months ago to be honest, but we spent a lot of time trying to uh, smooth the process out for ourselves to make sure that we knew what goals we were trying to hit.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting to me, it must have been a, a real challenge to kind of balance quite a big system overhaul with all of the other things that are going on, or is it two completely separate parts of the business?
5: No, it is difficult. Um, I'm. Uh, I did the bulk of the implementation and design for the skill system, but I've also been in charge of other things uh, that I've been able to do in, in my spare time. Yeah. If such a thing exists. Yeah. I mean, it, time is always a very precious commodity for
7: us yeah. developers, and we we try to spend it as best we can. Yeah. So now that we have it on Tribble, let's talk a little bit about the testing process. So, some folks are deeper into it than others already, but mm-hmm. what information are you really looking for at this stage and how are you going to use that to further iterate on the system
5: the primary thing that we're looking for from players is actually qualitative feedback not not actual like this is broken because our qa team has honestly been doing a fantastic job telling me what is broken and unfortunately, it's a bit more than I would prefer, but you know, it happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. I already have a, a list of things that I've been going through to, to fix the things that are broken or not working as intended. The primary thing that we want from players on Tribble is to, to be able to do things like, tell us how it feels to level up. What is the actual... how does it feel emotionally to gain a level? And does, do you feel like when you gain these particular levels, like when you're advancing from 20 to 30, does that actually feel like you're gaining things that are worth leveling up for, or does that section of the game suck compared to the level 10 to 20 era era because of the skills that you're offered? I think most players on Tribble are honestly skipping all that, but hopefully we'll get some of the uh, some of that experience uh, will come out.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I've just put my hand up that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went straight to the Drazana console and I've skipped it all, yeah. um, which is quite funny because knowing that I might actually go back and start from scratch again.
5: Yeah, it would be helpful. That was one of the reasons that we temporarily locked out the transfer of characters to Tribble is to try and... Try and get at least a little bit of feedback about the leveling process from players because, honestly, in QA we have to uh, focus more on does this work and not on how did this feel.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so that sort of stuff is, is really valuable and one of the primary things that we look for from players.
3: It's the feel of how it works.
6: Just mm-hmm. Speaking of characters being locked out, at any point will we go back over to the copied-over model so that players can see how the new system can affect their current and existing characters.
5: Yeah, our current plan is to unlock that next week. In addition to re-enabling any characters that have already been transferred over, so if you have an older character that's got like a test fleet that's already advanced some, those will become available again starting next week.
8: Okay,
3: yeah, that's really good. I think a lot of people have been saying that they'd like to to see how it's going to affect their current characters with all of their gear and all of their traits and all of their stuff already Mm -hmm. there.
5: I would like to hear about that as well, so we definitely need that uh, side of feedback as well.
3: Okay, and um, hopefully this is not an obvious question, but so at the moment on, at that special console on Drazana, you can get a free respec token to try things out. Is that going to stay then after you've launched it on the main server so that basically people can go back and try different skill sets before they go back to the main server? On I,
5: I honestly don't know. Okay. It's part of a larger discussion regarding respecs in general. Okay. Um, we have been having those discussions internally, but I uh, I don't know how that'll, that'll actually shake out when we get closer to Season 11 to 5. Okay.
7: So as far as when this goes live, will there be any sort of way to translate what people's existing skills are over to the new system, or are they just going to have to basically approximate that as best they can?
5: Um, We will force a respec. There actually are... We made a lot of effort to make sure that players lose as little as possible during this so uh, in examining a lot of builds from current characters we've actually been able to rebuild them 100% in the new system most of the time with points left over so um, but players will have to do that themselves Um, as far as what is automated we're just going to refund all of your points and let you play with the system.
3: So, would it be a good idea for players on holiday at the moment to take a few screenshots? If you're like me, <laughs> and I can't remember exactly yeah. what I've got points in, see. um, because I had help getting my skills done the first time, thank you, Inters, <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't tell you now exactly what I've got points in, so, sure. um, probably take a few screenshots.
7: Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, someone brought up this question, and I haven't really gotten to do it yet on Tribble, but, Is this like the specializations where you're locking in one point at a time, or can you, like in the current skill system, allocate your points and then lock them in?
5: Uh, This will be closer to specs, where you're going to be purchasing and confirming one point at a time, um, which is exactly how you would do when you were leveling up. Anyway, you're not going to be spending a whole lot of points all at once. That is something that will come into play when you respec. But for the time being and for the foreseeable future, we don't intend to implement any sort of, uh, that tech was something called uh, paging, I want to say. It was a, a software thing that actually caused a lot of problems. And so we decided to not implement
7: it as part, part of the skill system. It did seem to have some, some glitches with it occasionally, I noticed. Yeah. Um,
5: so uh, for the time being and for the foreseeable future, we're, we're building the system out in a way that you have to confirm each point as you go along.
6: Right. So just as we're talking about respect tokens, how many respect tokens will we get at the outset of the system launching? At least two, please.
5: <laughs> uh, we have been talking internally about things that we can do for the launch of the system, including um, promotional offerings, potentially, um, as you said, potentially free skill point or skill respects. But I, I can't commit to anything like that right now. The only thing that I can commit to is that we're definitely going to have at least some sort of price reduction. On skill respecs when the system first goes out, Uh, we've been talking about additional options that might be a little more more far-reaching, but that's the minimum I can commit to.
3: I I think my concern with all of this is that presumably, when the system launches, you won't—basically, you'll need to respec, or you just won't have anything. Um, So you will will have—yeah, that one will be free. But like, if you screw it up, or like, because. You know, maybe if you're like me, I'm going off of a model that some other people have sort of tested and used. Mm-hmm. That information isn't there yet. I could really screw it up the first time.
5: <laughs> this is an incredible opportunity for our community to come to our aid and build a, a web-based skill builder.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's part of the advantage of it being on Tribble now is that we can, you know, uh, fleets that have some power players in there that are doing a lot of testing, they could be doing that now on Tribble. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah.
5: Of course, then during the iteration process, we'll move everything around and totally screw with them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: so while we're sort of talking about respec tokens, which are currently available in the Zen store, mm-hmm. is there going to be any protection in the Zen store between now and launch so that captains don't accidentally sort of waste a respec token if perhaps they're not aware that the, uh, re- that the, the revamp is coming?
5: Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword because yes that would be kind of i guess kind of user friendly to stop people from, from spending respects now when a when a uh, revamp is coming but that means that there's going to be stuck in whatever build they're doing using right now between True. now and then yeah and if they actually wanted to change we would be turning off that functionality i don't think we can actually do that
8: okay
5: i mean just for the sake of the players that might be currently experimenting with the existing system we, we don't want to yeah. shut them off
3: no, true, but it it would be nice if there was some way that you could, well, in game you could be sure that people knew that that was coming up. I mean,
5: it might it's be nice to have. <laughs> uh, spitballing here, but maybe we could just add a, a line of text to the to the microtransaction that says there's a revamp coming. You know, make people aware of it.
3: That would be that would work for me, but not you know not everyone who plays the game reads the blogs, sure. reads yeah. Reddit, reads Twitter, and um, potentially they could be missing out. So.
6: Mm-hmm. and just a little thought this is probably silly but I kind of crossed in my head, if you currently have respect tokens, will they just sort of transfer over, will kind of work as well
5: the exact same numeric is valid in the new system um, somebody asked me a question on twitter that I don't know the actual answer to which is if you leveled up in the old system as a, as a subscriber and got free tokens, you get those tokens back, I don't actually know that, I'll be looking for an answer to that next week
7: Oh, that's interesting.
5: Uh, If you don't get them back, that's another thing that we could potentially consider as one of the, uh, as I mentioned, further reaching promos. Maybe we can, maybe gold subscribers might get something new. I don't know. All very much still in discussion because we're far enough away from the launch that we haven't finalized those plans yet.
7: Well, I always accept anything you want to retroactively add to my lifetime subscription, so feel free. (laughs) So talking about the leveling process as a, a focus of your feedback... Are there any uh, plans or thoughts um, out there for something similar to Delta Recruitment where not only are new players encouraged to join, but also experienced players are encouraged to start new characters even on holodeck?
5: I don't honestly know. And uh, at this point, well, I can say for with some certainty that nothing like that is planned for Season 11.5. Um, But we talked about in the past that Delta Recruit was actually a pretty successful event considered for both us developers and for players in in many ways. So we have talked internally about bringing something like that back in the future. It won't be coming alongside the skill revamp.
7: Cool.
3: Okay, so now we're going to move on to some more detailed questions. A lot of these came from our listeners um, and all over the forums, Twitter, Facebook, um, and so. Hopefully you'll be able to get to groups with them a little more detailed. So. Mm-hmm.
5: I would also say uh, just before we get into this, if, if yeah. anybody out there does have additional questions or is confused about the new system, a lot of discussion has been going on in the Tribble sub forums. So some of these questions that you're about to ask even might have already been answered. I'll, I'll happily answer them again. Just okay. uh, wanted to mention to, to players that some of this information is out there. Uh, they just need to go and seek it out.
3: Okay, so the first question is from somebody whose name I really can't pronounce, so forgive me. But we think it's Kazikza? There's a lot of Q's and Z's in there. <laughs> um, his question is, do you think the new skill system will promote a move towards the more conventional trinity of roles? And if so, will any of the content be updated or introduced to reflect that trinity-style play? Um, and as sort of a side note, would there be any kind of option to dual-spec a skill trait in order to facilitate a mix of styles or roles?
5: Well, in speaking about the Trinity, I think I actually sp- talked about this on my previous interview. Star Trek has never been a Trinity game, um, and it ne- really never will be. Uh, we have too many things that are built upon the concept of a, a player-captain being able to do many different things, sometimes simultaneously. Um, most of the time simultaneously you can you can tank and you can do damage all all the same time that you're controlling your enemies it just uh it depends a lot on the equipment that you have the skills that you purchased the progression of your character through other systems like specs and and reputations um the core concept of combat in star trek online is built around a non-trinity system we can't try to move to a trinity system at this point and Quite frankly, I don't think we would want to. I think it's a lot more interesting to give players that opportunity to keep making interesting choices that that, kind of live in the gray area between hard and fast defined roles. Now that has had a a rippling effect out to our content. We have to make content that uh, the second half of this question, we don't really have content that supports um, a, a group of players where one is a tank and one is a controller and one is a healer. Because everybody can do everything, we kind of have to assume that everybody does do everything. If we were to make content, especially in a queued um, map where you had to have a healer or you had to have a controller, well, Mm -hmm. because of our matchmaking system, that just isn't really feasible. You might get put into a map where you don't have that, and then you just fail because our matchmaking system didn't give that to you. Which Uh opens up a whole other can of worms (laughs) with role definitions and all of this other stuff.
3: So what you're saying is that you're going to have a matchmaking system revamp in Season 12.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I said that.
3: (laughs) Uh, Moving on.
7: Well, one thing I'll say, while on the surface it may seem like this system has a higher possibility of pigeonholing characters, if anything, it looks like the opposite. It looks like you have more incentives than ever to, as a tactical captain, spec into engineering or as a captain as a tactical captain to spec into science. with well, Just was, like what we were talking about with the training manuals alone and mm-hmm, other yeah. incentives.
5: Yeah, that was a, a difficult balancing factor of how we were designing the new system. We did have one of our primary goals was to make sure that players didn't lose anything, but our another of our primary goals was to incentivize experimentation and stepping out of your comfort zone and, and trying new things and actually feeling like choices that you hadn't made before or uh, choices that you usually might not want became more enticing became more interesting we tried our best to balance both of those with the uh, lose nothing taking precedence Um, but as i said we've we've tried a lot of uh, translation of existing builds to the new system and in most cases we're able to replicate the build exactly um, and the new system the the new build actually not even in most cases every one that i've tried uh, the new build either has more benefits or has points left over so I think players are going to be very pleasantly surprised with how well their current captains translate into the new skill system, once they actually give it a try.
3: Yeah, because Rider on the forums asked exactly that question, which was, um, will the skill revamp be tested with all kinds of builds taken into consideration, and will it even be possible to exactly recreate the exact build I have? Well, sounds like, probably not like exactly exactly, but that's kind of, it sounds like that's what you're aiming for.
5: That that was our aim. There will be a few edge cases where certain things will be um, lost or you might have to sacrifice a little bit of one thing to, to get what you had before, but we're really trying to minimize those edge cases. It's honestly not going to be possible to build a system this large that meets the needs of every single player in our entire game. But we're trying to get as close to that as possible.
0: Just something there I want to go back on. Is there a possibility, probably not with this skill tree revamp, but at some point in the future having dual specs, you know, more than one skill tree for a character? And the idea behind that would be if I want to play in an escort, I can have this skill tree. If I want to play in a science ship, I can have this skill tree or a cruiser or something like that. Is that something that we might be able to see at some point in the future?
5: I wouldn't put it off the table, but it hasn't even been discussed internally. It sounds like an interesting feature and something that we might be able to consider at some point in the future. But we haven't uh, even talked about designing anything like that. I've seen it mentioned a lot on our forums, and I, mm-hmm. I won't dismiss it. Right. Um, it sounds like it could be interesting. I don't know if it's feasible for us, uh,
9: right.
5: and I don't know if it is feasible. What we would have to, um, what obstacles we'd have to overcome to make it happen. Right. Um, I wouldn't take it off the table. Okay.
3: Um, so now we're going to get into a little bit more of the um, sort of the detailed stuff as well. Um, so we've sort of compacted the skill tree, and uh, a chap called Ruin the Fun on the forums <laughs> has asked, "That's my name." <laughs> 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 it's funny that you're asking yourself questions on the forum. My um, yes. question to anyway. myself would be,
5: "How did you get so handsome?" <laughs> I'm not sure. (laughs) Um,
3: Okay. See, you've totally thrown me off now. Yes, ruins the fun. Uh, Ruin the fun. Okay, so he's asking, how does the compaction of the skill system impact consoles and equipment that modify the now non-existent skills? Are they still there under the hood? And in fact, we got quite a number of these questions, so uh, we'll probably pick off a few of these. Um, But... Can you talk about it sort of on a general level?
5: Yeah, well, generally speaking, the question is, if I had a thing that added to X skill, what does it do now? Uh, And that could be a trait or an item or a a power or or all sorts of different things previously added to skills. Um, We have done as much diligence as possible to ensure that if something granted a skill previously, it grants a skill now. Now, In most of those cases, I would say 80% or more the old skills have a direct translation to something that exists in the new system. like Things like graviton generators exist as part of control expertise and uh, flow capacitors as part of drain expertise. So uh, a lot of one-to-one translations there were um, very easy to to implement. But then there's things like attack patterns and uh, threat control, which previously could have been skills but don't exist as skills in the new system. Um, Attack pattern actually doesn't exist at all. Um, Those edge cases have had to be translated on a a, uh, case-by-case basis. Um, Things like attack patterns is usually going to be translated to... I believe it was either long-range targeting sensors, which is the new skill that reduces weapon damage drop-off, or uh, it might have been translated to accuracy or defense. I don't recall offhand, but we have made sure that if you had an item that gives you something, it still gives you
6: something. Something that is as close to the original as, as is possible. So Sam T, nineteen ninety six asks, part of his question is that, but also asked, will we see new consoles to improve some of the new skills? Uh, not immediately,
5: but as part of this, uh, as part of this revamp, we've come up with a whole list of things that um, can be itemized. Basically, um, new skills that didn't previously uh, exist. So there was no gear that was created, and as part of the initial skill revamp, we haven't created any new equipment. Um, so. You might see those start appearing on new uh, consoles, new set bonuses, new traits uh, in the future, but not at the time of the uh, of the skill revamp launch.
0: Is there something that might be introduced with a new fleet holding uh, in a console uh, from a vendor or something like that, possibly?
5: We have a lot of options for future itemization. We might do another fleet holding. We might do another reputation. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
5: All sorts of options like that, um, where these new skills would likely pop up. Um,
3: so, keeping along the same theme, um, are you going to be sort of reworking all of the tool tips and everything so that it's clear with um, the existing equipment, so, I mean, from everything from deflectors and uh, traits and things, that it's going to be clearer what they will affect in the new system? Yeah. Clarity. So sounds like a very big job. <laughs> yeah, it
5: is. Um, Clarity was one of our other primary design goals, the demystification of what a skill is. And that has many different uh, aspects. Some skills just simply got renamed, like particle generators is now exotic particle generators to nail home the fact that it affects exotic damage abilities. Um, And actually, I've seen some uh, suggestions to change it even more. So it's just exotic damage or or something like that. Um, Mm. Names are very powerful Uh, terminology and the uniformity of terminology is also very important. Um, Another thing that you might notice under the skill revamp is that we no longer are trying to use, as much as possible, we've gotten rid of the term subsystem disable, because a disable Mm -hmm. is something different, and we've changed all of those to subsystem offline, um, which is actually what it is. A disable locks out all of your abilities, and a subsystem offline just... that subsystem offline there are very different effects and in fact are resisted and improved by different skills so uh, i'm sorry the original question i think i wandered a bit away from but the uh, the core of it is are we going to do our best to explain things oh yeah heck yeah and how
3: uh, do you even how do you even track down like there are some that might be obvious but you know so the attack pattern skills How do you even track down all of the things
5: that... You when you you open up a really big document and you end up having to use control F
8: to (laughs) find the term
5: you're looking for? Yeah, Imagining opening the entire game as a text document and using control F (laughs) to find the term that you're looking for.
7: Um, (laughs) This is like your scary find and replace tweet the other day. Yes, it is.
5: (laughs) Yeah, that was just for a, a smaller bug fix. And that was, what, 1,600-something references that I had to find and replace? Wow. Jeez. Uh, we have a lot of, um, we do have some uh, safety nets in place to make sure that we're not changing things that weren't intended to be changed. But uh, I think Jace even mentioned in a response to that tweet that, like, when intelligence came out, we had done a find and replace to change intel to intelligence. And that meant that some things that said <laughs> intelligence, intelligence already <laughs> were intelligence intelligence. <laughs> a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Brilliant. Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's a, yet another reason that we are going to be relying on our, on our triple testers to make sure that uh, we don't have another intelligence, intelligence leg- <laughs> fiasco. You guys should totally do
3: like a like a treasure hunt.
5: Oh
7: man!
3: <laughs> can you imagine? You know, give away give away something. I don't know. Respect tokens. Electronic. Yeah, respect tokens <laughs> for anybody who can find five. <laughs> <laughs> little bugs in the tooltips on the most obscure console in the game.
5: <laughs> oh boy. Wow, that would be fun. I'd have to give so much away to our QA guys. Mm-hmm. Oh. when this when this uh when this feature first went to QA for internal reviews uh, several weeks ago, uh during that first few days I got something like something really embarrassing like 150 different bug reports from a single QA tester. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, most of those have been fixed. <laughs> all of the really yeah. bad ones were. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna keep churning them out. I got a lot of work to do on this still.
3: Yeah. To be fair, though, the the skill revamp, well, the skill tree, the skill system is kind of fundamental for the game. And um, I think we would all agree that Star Trek Online is insanely complex. Um, hopefully, and a little less so that...
5: now. Yeah. Hopefully, At least from a little less. So, side
3: But, you know, in terms of all the way that all of your consoles and powers and traits and all that other stuff, all those interactions, it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so changing something like a skill tree, um, I keep trying to say skill tree. It kind of is still a tree, isn't it? But it's, yeah, yeah, I think in the official documentation, it's skill system, isn't it? Yes, it is.
8: But But we're just going to call it (laughs) skill
3: tree. Yeah, tree's fine. (laughs) Um possible train of thought. Yeah, so changing something like that is obviously going to affect things in ways that you don't expect.
5: Well, and in ways that we do do expect, but haven't had time to let our gaze fall upon yet. Like, uh, for example, we made a very far-reaching change to the way that auxiliary scales um, the the internal modifiers that you get from auxiliary power on on a lot of powers. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the surface, that was a very simple change to just a... a, uh, a a mathematical computation that was contained within a lot of different powers. The problem that we're seeing, though, is that some powers actually uh, had external variables that modified that. So when we changed that simple computation, uh, it actually had some farther-reaching effects than we originally anticipated. So we're going to have to go back and touch those individual abilities to make sure that um, our change didn't break or ruin anything. There were uh, also far-reaching changes made to the amount of benefit that you get from certain skills, like exotic particle generators is a a very prime example of this. Under the old system, we had powers that would benefit anywhere from, I think some even benefited as little as like 0.5%, all the way up to 100% of your skill. And we've normalized all of those, and we chose a middle ground of 50%, but that meant that those that previously got more than 50% for them will be seen as a nerf, And those that were uh, getting far less scaling from it will be very drastically improved. Uh, A prime example of this is probably the the Thaleron blast that you can get on the the, uh, Scimitar. Previously benefited extremely very little from particle generators. And when we normalize that, I have a feeling that it's doing too much damage now. We're going to have to scale some things back and improve others.
8: Now
3: let's um, let's talk about this because this is kind of a major part of this whole business mm-hmm. that we've been seeing. Um, You've said that there's a lot of balancing going on behind the scenes. H- how's how's that going to work? Because I mean, I've already seen a lot of people complaining that X ability that I had before on Holodeck is doing this amount, and it's now on on Tribble is doing X amount, and it's you know it's worse off. Um, that sort of thing. It, are, are you behind the scenes trying to balance out things in the game, it, or it, you know beyond just where the skill tree is has simplified itself?
5: Uh, the short answer is yes. We're going to try and make it sh- so we can try again to adhere to that design goal of nobody loses anything yeah. uh, as much as possible. Um, so, in the case of powers that have had their effectiveness from skills drastically changed, um, we're going to have to touch those and tune them up in some way, whether that's reducing the base damage of the Thaleron Blast or increasing the base damage of a, uh, a Tractor Beam or Tachyon Beam or something that might not be getting as much benefit from skill now as it used to. Um, those have to be done on a case by case basis. And, but there's two different aspects at play here as well because um, it might be possible under the new system to get more skill in some areas than you used to the prime examples of this would be control expertise and drain expertise because so many previous skills were combined into those single skills Mm -hmm. where you used to might be able to only get like i don't know 300 or so flow capacitors maybe you can get six or 700 now because you're getting so much more uh sources so many more uh, different sources of drain expertise i see Um, we have to take that into consideration as well because we can't do a massive itemization pass to change those and
3: how much of what's gonna end up in the final final release is is already live is that something that that whole balancing thing that's going on behind the scenes is that is that a work in progress is that using the feedback from players etc and so potentially we'll see something very different on holodeck in terms of numbers than we're seeing right now
5: Uh, on an individual skill basis i think you'll see a lot of changes between what is currently on Tribble and will go on on holodeck Uh, and we're relying on both our our internal qa testers and players on Tribble to let us know when things seem too far out of whack
8: Um,
5: and then we'll have to we'll have to touch those each okay I can't honestly say how much of what is on Tribble right now is going to be exactly what goes to Holodeck. There's too many variables to to say.
7: Makes sense. And you've said that you've already done several weeks of internal testing. I assume there's at least that much still to come on Tribble. I don't think
5: that we have actually announced the launch date of 11.5 yet. So. That's not. Well, that would be a really good opportunity. <laughs> I would love to, but I don't think I'm <laughs> authorized. Uh, but I can tell you that we have at least uh, a few weeks right. on okay. triple, and hopefully more. Okay. I want to circle back to, to what I was saying earlier, because I think that a lot of players w- have will have additional questions based on what I just said, so let me mm-hmm. try to head them off. Um, what will we aim for in terms of balancing these powers that have had their effectiveness okay. from skills changed? Um, this, is, this is what I was talking about with itemization. We're going to have to see what players can easily achieve, like what is, what is average, what is expected. And then we'll probably aim to have the old effectiveness of the power of what was average and expected become the new average and expected. Okay. So if it was easy under the old system to have plus 200 particle generators and, uh, and your, gravi- your gravity well therefore did X damage... Then under the new system, if it's possible to very easily and, and expectedly have 400 control expertise, we'll make sure that that is the same balance point.
3: I see. So you're trying to basically average out the, the sort of, um, I don't want to say the effort because that's the wrong terminology, but with a captain who does not really anything more than they are currently doing should, re- should expect the same results. Yeah. Um, and then, if they're not getting the same results, then you want to hear about that.
5: Yeah. Okay. I mean, as I said, we're not probably going to meet the needs of every single player, but we want to close, come close to meeting the, the vast majority, uh, as close to that as we can.
3: I mean, you do realize that there's an inherent problem in there because if it's worse, you're going to hear a lot about it. Totally. If it's like way better,
5: <laughs> I might you hear might not one hear person. <laughs> NPCs yeah. don't complain. We've been working yeah. on that.
6: so a slight change and taking a couple of questions into one people are asking what's this about the drop-off rate for beams and cannons being normalized and the removal of the crew mechanic
5: okay so those are two very very separate and very large uh topics so we'll talk about weapon drop-off first of all um under the uh currently live on holodeck and until 11.5 the the amount of uh, damage potential that different weapons lose is inconsistent. This was this was a purposeful design choice at the time that the game launched, but we've decided it doesn't really serve a purpose any, any longer. Mm. Um, so beams currently on holodeck will lose only uh, 40% of their damage potential when you're at 10k, and that drop-off starts at 2k. Mm. And cannons also start at 2k, but they can lose up to 60% of their damage potential at 10k. Yeah. Now under the new system, we've normalized yeah. them both to be a a potential loss of 50%. That'll be a slight improvement for cannons and a slight loss for beams.
3: Don't know about that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now before everybody goes up in arms over this (laughs) this slight nerf to beams, uh, I would remind everybody that there's already a 20% variance built into every source of damage that your weapons do. So a plus or minus of 10% uh, damage potential probably isn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, people that do long-term parses and, and look for DPS uh, records and things like that, they'll probably feel it a bit. But I think it's less pronounced than, than folks are playing it up to be.
3: Well, and we don't know yet as well how that's going to work with the new skill system as well.
5: That's right. Well, that's another reason why we, we normalized and unified, the, uh, uh, unified the, the, the mechanic, is so that we could introduce a skill that players can invest in that actually um, reduces that penalty over range.
3: Well, and I personally am looking forward to trying cannons because I've always avoided them because of that. I'm not that great of a pilot. I tend to stay pretty far back. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's noticeable to me, the difference between beams and cannons. And I've always stayed away from cannons. I'm looking forward to trying them because they are quite fun. That's proper (laughs) pew-pew.
5: Now, the other half of that question was the removal of crew mechanic. Um, This is something that actually wasn't intrinsic to the skill revamp, but something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, and this was the right time to do it. Um, It's pretty simple. Any mechanic that you previously had that relied upon crew is now just no longer going to have that variable. It will behave at all times as if you had 100% of your crew under the old system.
3: What did it do before? (laughs) Might be a really stupid question, but I I know it
5: went down, (laughs) but I didn't know what it did. Your crew had two primary benefits. One was that it controlled your passive regeneration rate, and the other is that it improved your resistance to subsystem offline effects.
3: Right, okay. Which totally makes sense, but now those those two things are caught up in other parts of your mm-hmm. profile somewhere, aren't they?
5: Well, uh so the the base <clears> hull <throat> regeneration has been rolled into all ships will just regenerate at the rate that they would if they had 100% of their crew. The subsystem okay. resistance, however, it has changed slightly. You're only going to actually get 50% of the old value for free. Uh the other 50% okay. is an unlock in the new skill system.
3: Okay, I'm, I'm currently rolling over the um, tooltips to see if I could find which one <laughs> you're talking about.
5: It's in the engineering tree. Um, but there's also additional itemization concerns with the loss of crew. There are items that previously added to your uh, yeah. crew resistance or your crew regeneration. Um, yeah. We've translated those. So there's uh, the patch notes go over all the console changes. One of the consoles that improved crew regeneration has, I believe, become hull regeneration. And the one that accrued, Improved uh, crew resistance has become subsystem offline resistance. Yeah. It's basically just taking the middleman or middlemen <laughs> out of the equation.
3: I mean, I think that's a really good example of of something that, um, obviously, no offense intended, but I never paid any attention to the crew thing. And if I ever saw any console or anything that had a you know plus crew regenerate or whatever it was, I was like, eh. yeah. Um, and that's something that is sort of fat in the system and isn't needed and. Um, wasn't trying to do what it was designed to do so now I'll get the benefit of that but it was
5: also kind of honestly it was a kind of a vestige of some of the early designs that didn't even make it into the game at one point crew was something that you were supposed to permanently lose and had to be replaced by going and uh, requisitioning additional crew from your your home star bases It was also supposed to have additional effects on your subsystem power and all sorts of stuff, but those designs ended up being felt like they were too uh, clunky, too esoteric. They're very Star Trek. You you care about your crew. You're supposed to care about your crew. And it's supposed to have some effect on how well you run your ship, and you as a captain should be able to influence your crew in certain ways. But as a game, it just never really came together, and it ended up just being something we were happier to let go.
3: Yeah, that's more of a role-playing type mentality for that.
5: We also have adapted some of those same concepts in uh, systems like the duty officers and bridge officer training and even admiralty kind of helps reinforce the fact that you're a leader of crewmen.
7: Yeah. Yeah, and in a much more meaningful way. Yeah. RMY1081 wrote that you once explained how threat works and that proximity with the target increases threat. So with the elimination of the threat skill, Will there be any other changes to how threat works?
5: Uh, Just to be clear, the threat skill has only been eliminated on ground. Right, he did say that. I just, yeah. Okay. Um, The question, though, is are we changing threat mechanics at all? Um, As part of the skill revamp, no. Um, But I have noticed that it's become a a larger topic with with the community, both wanting Mm -hmm. to understand how it works and uh, wanting to kind of explore the the tanky archetype of character or uh, even making like reflect builds and things like that that rely on being the person with all the attention um if the community is a large and the players in general want to have better threat mechanics that might inform some of our future uh decisions about what uh, aspects of the system we focus on
3: so what you're saying there's not really any Current changes going on to the mechanics of how threat works.
5: It sounded like he was asking about like the under the hood, like uh, I do yes. this and it adds this much threat. We're not touching yeah. any of that.
3: Okay, it's just that you you, you now you can't control that with the ground skill anymore. Right, it's not a the threat skill.
5: Okay. So the primary things that a ground person will have to rely upon to draw a, 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 the aggression of, of enemies onto themselves will be proximity and damage dealt. Okay. Other things like uh, healing or buffing a large number of party members simultaneously also generate a a decent amount of threat.
7: Yeah, actually, Liberty Task Force asked about that. Um, If you could explain in more detail how uh, the new threat control will work in space and uh, whether it will still be linked in any way to the resistance bonus that we used to get.
5: Right, so uh, Threatening Stance is a new Captain ability that will be taking the place of Abandoned Ship. Abandoned Ship has Abandoned Ship. (laughs) It will no longer be a part of the game. (laughs) Um, It was uh, almost never used, except to Grief. Um, So we just got rid of it. Um, And in its place, all Captains will have a new power that they can choose or not choose to use called Threatening Stance. Threatening Stance is pretty simple. You turn it on, you feel more threat. In, in that way, it's very similar to the cruiser or attract fire that, that many uh, cruiser vessels, uh, starships, have access to. Um, but threatening stance is, is more effective. It also comes with a secondary effect where occasionally when you are hit by incoming fire, you will restore a small amount of your uh, hull. Um, in this way, it's also handy to use when you're solo, like because it will uh, mitigate some of the incoming damage. Um, there is also a threat control unlock, available in one of the, I believe it is, Tactical Path right at the moment, and we'll probably remain in the Tactical Path, but we've been talking about trading around um, at which point in the tree those things unlock. Um, The Threat Control Unlock uh, increases the amount of threat that you deal while you are in Threatening Stance, but also reduces the amount of threat that you deal when you're not in Threatening Stance. So finally, Threat Control is something you have control over.
6: I have one from Felician. Since driver coil is removed or changed, is there any compensation for the speed turn rate loss for evasive maneuvers that the tra- fleet tactician and the deuterium device?
5: Uh, so the question was that um, some evasive maneuvers and deuterium device used to benefit from driver coil. Yes. Um, that was straight up removed. I believe it was intended to be replaced with impulse expertise as a, as a skill variable um, right now in the current trouble build uh, another user sent me a tweet that's why i'm talking about it in in this context um, right now on triple you can't improve those things um, we'll probably add back in impulse expertise as the modifier to those a driver coil in the new system was also changed in a few other ways it was um its core the ways that it impacted you were were Two major ways. One is that it improved your sector space travel speed, which is very handy at low levels, and the other is that it improved uh, the uh, subsystem energy flow while using Full Impulse. Um, Under the new system, both of those mechanics have been separated, so the sector space travel speed will become an unlock that you can choose. I believe it's in the science unlock path, and the, um, the power bonuses for Full Impulse have been renamed as Full Impulse Energy Shunt and are part of the yes uh, node of skills. Right. So they're still available but you're going to have to pursue them in two different ways, which makes sense they're two very different mechanics and different players probably use different parts of those skills already so now you can choose which one to, to pursue if either.
3: And can we talk a little bit also about um, cooldowns? This is a slight change again it's the, the same user on the forums asked the question. So, uh, there was an issue with the cooldowns on the Tribble server initially, wasn't there?
5: Uh, for the ultimate abilities? Is for this the question? ultimate abilities? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they went live um, with their testing abilities, which were uh, testing cooldowns, which I think were like 10, 15, and 20 seconds. Um,
3: yay. Good fun. So, is has that, is that been fixed now?
5: Internally, yes. And yeah, okay. we're not, I, I can honestly say we're not 100% sure at where they will land, but right now they're, they've been given a, a two minute cooldown that will appear in, in one of our next patches. But we're watching those very closely. We understand that the ultimate abilities, uh, these for people watching along at home that might not know, these are, these are new abilities that you can unlock by spending 25 or more points in a single uh, profession category. Like all tactical gets you a, a new tactical ultimate ability. Um, these abilities, we understand that they're, they're a huge investment to obtain and therefore need to feel impactful when you use them. And maybe two minutes is too long. Maybe that's not going to feel like it was worth your investment. But we'll keep an eye on that. Absolutely.
3: Um, and keeping on the same theme, um, you were talking about how to get the um, ultimate abilities, you have to really spec into one um... Uh, I don't know, what, what category. track do you One category, yeah, category is what we've been using. Yeah. Um, and um, Jason and I were actually talking about this before we went on the air, about how um, a lot of players like to actually generalize a little bit more so that on their main tune, like if they don't like to play alts, um, they might generalize so that you can pick up all the event ships that are, you know, different types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, are those players going to be left feeling uh, very penalized because they haven't got those ultimate abilities?
5: Um, Probably not. In fact, I suspect that the vast majority of players will end up not having access to even a single uh, ultimate ability, probably not even coming close. In fact, when we looked at the translation of a lot of existing builds into the new system, uh, most players didn't end up having more than 20 to 23 points in a single track. Um, It was very uncommon, in fact unheard of, that any existing build would end up unlocking uh, an ultimate. Um, so the the ultimates are there to entice players to try something new, because we understand right. that nobody has done that. Um, nobody has put twenty five points into their science tree because that's crazy talk. Um, under the new system, it's not quite as crazy, so maybe you want to try it out.
8: Hmm.
5: Is that something that
0: might be rebalanced a little bit? Instead of twenty five points, come down to something like twenty
5: three. Uh, it's possible, but twenty five is a nice round number. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't rule it out uh, right. we can we can look at the the rate of unlocks if it ends up being something that uh, ends up just barely too far out of reach there's also an option quite honestly um, to grant players potentially slightly more skill points maybe 46 which is the current amount for space is just a little too few maybe 47 or 48 is the actual answer i i, I couldn't really say that we're we're I couldn't commit to changing those because the system works very well how it is right now, but it's definitely something that I don't think about.
3: Ooh, ooh, skill point unlocks via a new fleet holding.
5: Yeah, that's a great idea. Everyone will love that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it would just be like the trait unlocks.
5: The skill just... system is, uh, is a core element of the game. And shouldn't okay. really be. There was another question that came up on the forums. Uh, I'm actually surprised it's not in your list, or maybe you just haven't gotten to it. About how do we intend to monetize the new system? Uh, because this <laughs> is something. Uh, it's a little cynical, but it is something that we've yeah. done with all of our previous revamps. We have changed them or introduced them in a way that allows us to. Um, we tend to use the term internally of horizontally expanding, so that we can uh, we can add elements to the to the to new systems that allow us to either. Uh, allow players to purchase um, convenience Mm -hmm. items for it um, or sometimes to um, uh, progress through other systems in the game like unlocking an additional uh, project slot in Admiralty by doing uh, fleet holding or something of that nature. Um, The skill system is a core element of the game. We don't intend to do any of that. Really, the only way that the skill system will likely monetize is through the use of of respects, which, as I mentioned earlier, is under discussion.
3: But that's something that already exists, so that's yeah. not really a change.
5: Right. I don't think that any of us internally are talking about the idea of players being able to purchase additional skill points or uh, uh, or, or anything of that nature.
7: That would be a bit extreme. It would. Uh, both Felician and Cryptkeeper Zero had some questions about how Flow Capacitors interacts with the Plasmonic Leech. Uh, Very so well, thank cool. you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very well. In fact, uh Keeper was wondering if there would be any changes uh, to how that operates under the new system um, with how incredibly impactful that is on builds and, and how, I mean, almost everybody that, that can or doesn't, you know, morally object to uses one
9: right. if they have it
7: or have access to it. Which uh, is a... Honestly, that's a bit of a design problem. We won't talk about that side of it. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Uh, But I mean, you talk about interesting choices and pretty much that, if you have access to it, it's hard not to put that in a slot somewhere. Totally, right. Um, But also on the flip side of that, um, Felician found that right now drain expertise does not combine as strongly with plasmonic leach as it originally did.
5: But this is probably an aspect of something that i mentioned earlier where some powers which plasmonic leech uh, qualifies as have had their skill benefits altered if they were to if they were on the high end before then they have been normalized to a, a more middle ground this is probably one that was on the high end before um, has and has had its skill um, its benefits gained from skill reduced but again It relies upon drain expertise, which is going to be something that is very heavily itemized in our existing system. So whereas somebody using 300 flow capacitors in the old system, maybe they're capable of getting 600 or 700 drain expertise in the new system. We're still keeping a close watch on this to see what is the new normal. Therefore, how does that power have to be rebalanced? Does it need to be rebalanced? It's possible that some powers like plasmonic leech were overperforming. We'll see. We're definitely keeping a close eye on it.
9: Uh, this
3: is a, a real technical question, but um, when people are doing the testing on Tribble, are you guys actually looking at it from the you know, from the back end, like watching what performance players are getting? Are you able to do that? Or are you relying on feedback from players to tell you um, what they're getting?
5: We rely on it? feedback. We have, we have capability of watching the performance of a single entity and, and seeing how they perform, but we can't afford to do that with all of our players. Um, if, if anybody in QA had the, the type of time that it would take to watch something like that in, in action, they'd probably just be doing it themselves instead.
3: Well, no, I just um, was trying to get a feel for what kind of information um, from the system do you get out of something right. like um, Tribble.
5: We're not doing any sort of large-scale like, uh, server-wide parsing or anything like that, if that was your yeah. question.
3: Yeah, no. I'm just curious. Um, on the back end, I don't know what kind of information you even you even can get out. Um, you know, beyond obviously you can the metrics, see
7: the metrics. How many
3: how many people are at? No, I don't want to say metrics.
7: But
9: that's what it is. No,
3: but it is okay. Fine, it's the metrics. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you know, in my real life job, I'm like real big into reporting and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. So, um, I'm always just a bit curious about what types of things you can see. Um, You know, beyond, obviously, we know that you can see the number of people and how long they're playing and what time of day and whatever. But can you actually see what people are doing and how they're using different systems? We can see
5: everything.
6: (laughs) They know all our secrets.
5: (laughs) Anything that occurs on the server, as any sort of either server transaction or server-to-client or client-to-server transaction, could potentially be tracked. But yeah. somebody on our side of things has to go into it and say, this transaction needs to be tracked. Here's where the output goes. Um, right. So you have to
3: basically write the report to go and find all of that information.
5: Precisely. And I don't believe that we can typically do that for things that have already happened. It has to be right. created and then implemented for things going forward. Um, but we're not doing any of that on our side of things for the skill revamp. We are very much relying on the qualitative feedback from players uh, to tell us what is right, what is wrong, how do they feel, what did they like, what did they hate.
3: Well, and of course you said you've got the QA team that's also working on this yeah. at the same time yeah. as well. So they're looking for things as well.
5: And okay. and as I said, the the QA team internally tends does tend to focus more on does this work, does this not work, because right. that's their job. But along the way, they're going to pick up things like, yeah, this worked, but it was terrible. And they'll let me know because... They hate me. No, because they, <laughs> we have a good working relationship.
8: <laughs> or
3: uh, things like the new science. What is it? The what was it? The new fleet holding that that science console that stacked with itself. That mm-hmm. was fun. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. So that didn't work, but felt
3: great. So.
8: Yeah.
3: <laughs> we should do more like that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> is there a chance there'll be like a triple test weekend or something along the lines of to get people in and get more of a discussion going?
5: Um, those have turned out to be not as great as we wanted them to be, so no, I, I doubt we're going to be doing that. Uh, we will rely on live promotions to, uh, to drive interest in the system. Like I said, we have already been talking about some sort of uh, reduction or temporary reduction in the price of respects. At the bare minimum, we're going to do that when, when Season 11.5 comes out. Additional promotions to, uh, to encourage people to check out the system, we'll, that'll all be done on the live server.
3: Brett Clusaw at HuskerBK81 on Twitter asked, how will the new uh, system affect specializations and EXP? Which I think I know the answer to, but thought I'd ask.
5: Uh, so skill points under what's called skill points on holodeck are going to be called ex- experience points under the new system. They are strictly used for one thing only, and that is to determine your level. They're no longer spent on skills or, or anything like that. That means also that anything that's called a a skill boost, a skill point boost, or bonus pool, we had to rename to experience point bonus pool. So, you know, if you're on triple, keep an eye out for anything that I might have missed. But uh, expertise, which is another thing that people sometimes call EXP, so just to cover my bases here, expertise is not being touched (laughs) at all. It will, it will still be earned in the exact same way that it always has, and be spent on the exact same things that it has since the bridge officer's skill revamp. what was the other question? Oh, specializations. Yeah. Um, functionally, they're not being changed. They have had a slight UI rearrangement in that um, part of the uh, inspiration for the structure of the of the new skill revamp was specializations. We wanted it to feel, for at least for new players, like leveling up their character that they were both extensions of the same thing. You would use the skill system to advance your character from one to fifty, and then when you hit fifty. You open up a, a new system with specializations that is very similar, um, but behaves a little bit differently. Um, so specializations have been moved into the skill UI as another tab that appears across the top right next to space and ground. But other than that change to the UI, specializations themselves are not being changed. They're not being touched. You're still going to keep all of your spec points. Uh, they'll be spent in the same places that you already spent them. If you have extras banked up, you will keep them banked up and you can spend them on the next specialization whenever that comes out.
8: Okay,
3: um, just uh, going backwards to what you said a little bit ago, um, I'm going to just be the first to say that I find expertise and experience points incredibly confusing.
8: You're
5: actually not the first, <laughs> and I agree. Um, so we have uh, been considering a renaming of expertise, potentially? Probably, honestly, probably not, at least not right away but uh changing skill points to experience points just makes a whole lot of sense experience points is the the standard or rpgs yeah that makes
3: them yeah it makes a lot more sense for from just you know
5: it's the thing you earn It's what everybody else uses. it's the thing you earn that advances your level in every yeah. game everywhere it's experience points and there's probably a few edge cases where it's not but by and large that is the truth so yeah it, it made sense to change it for us
0: peter connor first um Wants to know how will inspirational leader trait um, perform under the new system?
5: Ah, inspirational leader is a trait that currently enhances all of your skills uh, when it procs. Um, under the new system, it will probably do exactly the same. It hasn't been translated yet on Treble, but under uh, future, it, will, it we would be hard pressed to try and justify changing something that was. It's that much of an investment to earn. It's part of a lockbox. It's relatively expensive and rare to obtain um so chances are very likely that it will simply increase all of the new skills instead of all of the old skills right now that that being said there are a few skills in the new system that aren't technically skills like inspirational leader won't be able to improve uh, full impulse energy shunt okay that's not a skill it's just an ability that you can earn it won't be able to improve shield mastery it's not a skill that's an ability. That's an ability that you can unlock in the skill system. Right. Uh, the same is probably going to be true for the skill boosts that you can get for from fleet holdings. From your starbase, I believe is where you buy those. Right. Yeah.
3: I do have one question that's slightly off topic, but not really. Um, are we going to get different icons for absolutely everything?
5: Oh, that's actually that's like... right on topic. <laughs> but what you're seeing is what the systems designer me asked for. Uh, and yeah. it's really boring and bland, and I get that. Um, but I'm not a UI designer. I'm a systems designer. Yeah. <laughs> now, when I, I thought I... you
3: did everything.
5: <laughs> when I asked what? for these, our UI artist was like, is this all you want? And I was like, yeah, that's what I asked for. And she was like, oh, I'm going to do another pass. So you'll be <laughs> seeing some improvements in the future because she's an artist and I'm not. OK.
3: Yeah, because I was just um, I was just here on, on Tribble, flicking back and forth between um, the space tab, the ground tab, and then you get the specialization tabs, mm-hmm. and the specialization tab looks incredibly complex, yeah. and of course every single one has got a slightly different, right, um, a slightly different icon, and it's very fancy. It's a slightly
5: um, different system in the in yeah. the specializations. You tend to be unlocking very specific triggered. Uh, abilities or, or things that happen under very specific circumstances and have very small scale effects relative to what oh, you yes. get in the skill system, which is like you buy this thing and all this other stuff gets better. Um, but that being said, I have been told that we'll be getting better icons. Okay, <laughs> this is very important. I didn't ask for them. But, uh, this is key. Somebody wanted to do them, so <laughs> yeah. System will look better. Um, I don't know if might also be getting some new background elements to the skill system. You might notice in the background of the specializations, there's kind of this faded... Imp- one oh, present yes. in the grounds tree as well. But those... I think they talked about improving those? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not the UI artist.
3: <laughs> the the UI is possibly not in its final state right
8: now. It
5: absolutely is saying. not. Okay. But the extent it- to which it will change by the time it ends up on holodeck is not... Uh, something I, I, I know for certain yet. I, I, I have been... I actually just sent in a request on Friday to tweak so the way that some of the ultimate abilities appear uh, in the UI, so we'll see if those will likely get altered some. Give them a little more pop.
3: Okay, so just one final question for you then. What is the best way for players to feedback about their experiences with the new system?
5: The best way is to, to post their uh, responses, their feedback, and their bug reports on the Tribble subforums at our official ARC uh, subforums. Um, I understand that a lot of players don't enjoy going to the forums, but it remains our our primary means of player-to-dev communication, uh, and in some cases, uh, dev-to-player. Um, I've been trying my best to answer questions on those subforums and, and give feedback or at least uh, explain things that people might have questions about. So. As I mentioned previously, if you have a question on the system, it's possible that some of those questions have already been answered and those answers are likely going to be found in the Tribble feedback forums.
3: Okay, so that, um, if you go and look on the forums, that's under the main Star Trek Online forums and then it's under test servers and then Tribble.
5: Absolutely, that's correct. Yeah,
3: so um, not can... so much going under the general discussion, but aim for Tribble. No,
5: general description discussion is is primarily for, at least we see it as primarily dealing with holodeck uh, okay. things. so. Since we're focused on the test server, or at least I am uh, focused on the test server right now, that's that's where we're looking for feedback. You can also feel free to include a, a link to my Twitter, at Bordicus Cryptic. Um, okay. Try not to flood me, but I, I am reachable <laughs> uh, via that uh, avenue.
3: Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been really great to talk to you about the new system. We're all very excited about it, for and sure. I know I can tell you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, And I guess good luck with all of the feedback and all of the questions that I'm sure you'll be fielding over the next several weeks. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. So, um, And when is it going live on Holodeck? Uh,
5: The exact launch date is not yet announced. Redacted. (laughs) I was trying so hard to just kind of slip it in there. Uh But no. We have a few weeks at the very least
3: a few weeks so right today is
7: <laughs> we're, we're starting our uh, in-house uh pool on yeah the day. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah nothing like a bit of rampant speculation but anyway <laughs> uh yes so thank you again for being here uh, and answering all of our questions well, for and all of me. our listeners questions and uh hopefully we can see you again soon um when the whole thing is all done and dusted
5: yep i, w- I would love to be back
3: now let's check in with cookie and elijah and find out what's
9: on screen on screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie.
1: And I'm Elijah.
9: And this week, we're reviewing Haven, written by Tracy Torme and Lano O'Koom, and directed by Richard Compton. This episode first aired November 30th, 1987.
1: We've got a Deanna episode, folks. Unbeknownst to her, Deanna must now honor her arranged marriage to Wyatt Miller, the son of Deanna's father's closest friend. However, Wyatt's heart and mind are elsewhere fixated on a woman he's never met. A woman who looks like she belongs in an 80s hairband. (laughs) Or could star in a Flash Gordon or Masters of the Universe film.
9: Here are some fun facts. This marks the first appearance of Majel Barrett as Lwaxana Troy and Carell Strucken as Hom. And this episode is the one and only time that Hom speaks when he says
0: Thank you for the drinks.
9: to Captain Picard in the last scene. Armin Shimmerman, who we all know as Quark from Deep Space Nine, is the face of the Silver Betazoid gift box.
1: Wow, I never would have.
9: I know, that. I, I would have never recognized him. But no. the voice matches. We also get a rare look at the Enterprise D's dining room, which is never to be seen again, because in future seasons, formal events are almost always held in Ten Forward. Richard Saber was nominated for an Emmy Award for this episode in the category Outstanding Achievement in Hairstyling for a Series in 1988.
1: See? See? See what I mean?
9: No? What are you talking about?
1: Oh, I'll get to it.
9: (sighs) What hairstyle was it that he... I mean...
1: I'll get to it. Okay. Why don't you uh, tell us first what you thought of the episode?
9: This episode was fun. I liked it a lot. I wasn't too fond of the idea that Deanna had to marry someone she'd never met and leave the ship. in the name of tradition but then again i'm not generally a fan of traditions
1: neither is picard captain's personal log i trust my concern
10: over the problems of ship's counselor troy are not based merely on losing a highly valuable crew member but it seems to me that she's trapped by a custom of her home world which the facts of 24th century life have made unwise and unworkable
8: i wish i could intervene
9: You could tell Will was also visibly upset with the idea. More than anything in the world, you want to be a starship captain.
10: That's not all I want, Deanna.
9: I can feel that. Now, I don't know much about the arranged marriage thing, or how successful they are statistically, but it's obvious that neither of the people involved wanted to go through with it, at first at least. They did warm up to the idea as the episode went on and the guy was likable enough, but I'm really glad it didn't work out. I did really like that chameleon rose he gave her. It changed color with the mood of its owner, that is so romantic. I wonder what the colors meant though. It was blue when he was holding it and then when he handed it to her it changed to white. Maybe the blue meant disappointed and the white meant anxious? That's my guess at least. But even though that was supposed to be the main storyline, all that was more of a side point for me. The best part of the episode was Deanna's mom, Luoxana. She dominated every scene with her confidence and ability to just not give a crap about what anyone thinks, which is an awesome ability to develop as long as you're respectful about it. She's just an amazing character and a wonderful actress, and I love it when she's around. Watching her interact with Picard was especially hilarious. It was so funny when she made Picard carry her luggage.
2: Oh, you may carry my luggage. Mother?
3: No, no, that's quite all right. I'm indebted to your mother for the fine counselor. She- this
9: way. It's rare to see him humbled like that, and then later when he tries to leave her quarters.
0: And now, if you will excuse me, I'm sure the two of you have a lot to talk about.
9: Uh, yes, Captain. Uh, you may go. The defeated yet relieved look on his face is so perfect. And then during the last scene where she jokes. Captain,
4: even Zeno never had such thoughts about me. You may energize.
8: That was meant as a joke, Captain.
1: I was not amused.
9: Only she could pull that off. She has a great sense of humor, and she was my favorite part of this episode.
1: I don't know. As romantic as this episode might be for Wyatt, how awkward is it to meet your future husband, only to find out he's been fantasizing about Hair Queen For all these years, thinking of her, dreaming of her, drawing her, hearing her whispers.
8: You thought I would be this woman.
0: I have seen this face ever since I was a boy. When I closed my eyes at
1: night, I could hear her whispering my name.
8: I'm sorry I'm not what you hoped
1: for. Seriously, though, it's not cause for concern. Deanna didn't think, hmm, maybe we should rethink this whole marriage thing, you wacko. Also, she's the counselor on Starfleet's flagship. I'm sure she's quite famous, or there was quite a bit of pomp and circumstance during the ship's inaugural voyage. He claims that he never saw her. I find that hard to believe. Couldn't he have just looked her up on Federation Facebook or something?
9: They don't have social networking in the future.
1: I don't know. Maybe I am over no, they, they evolved. I, I don't uh, But How do people keep in touch, though?
9: They, they send each other little, um... What do you call it? On their computers? On their little computers in their desks? They send each other little video clips. Snapchats? Yeah.
1: As far as the Torellian vessel goes... Wait, wait a minute. Isn't that the same species that also threatened Earth in Men in Black?
9: There's
10: always an alien battle cruiser or a Karelian death ray or an intergalactic plague that's about to wipe out life on this miserable little planet. The only way these people get on with their happy lives is they do not know about
1: it. Oh, no, mm. no, no, no. That's Karelian. Well, anyway, unlike our planet, it's a good thing that Haven had sensors to detect the plague ship Torelia. Speaking of the oncoming danger, why did Picard wait to take action until the ship was in transporter range? You'd think that you might want to put a tractor beam on that ship before it can pose a threat. I'm starting to question Picard's command prowess here. Now, so, so what's the moral of this particular story? What's the takeaway? Is it that in-laws never get along? Is it that you should never settle if true love isn't a factor? What about Will, or Bill, as they keep calling him throughout the episode? Is he going to take this opportunity to finally act on his feelings for Deanna? Nope, not for another seven years. Spoiler. It doesn't happen until after Deanna and Worf have a thing. Speaking of, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Of all the people that the audience was clamoring to see get together, Beverly and Picard, Troy and Riker, how is it that Troy and Worf happened? Strangest couple ever. So bad that I think people forget that it was actually a thing. Anyway, I digress.
9: I remember the episode where he was in different um, dimensions and stuff, and one of the dimensions he was married to her, but w- they got together after that, right? Right,
1: like that's what so maybe inspired that, him. Yeah, like maybe it, that
9: put it in his mind.
1: Right. And then he came back and he was like, oh, I want to be with you. It's the first time someone told him yes. <laughs> maybe that's oh, what it was. It was Troy just pitied him, and everybody tells you no all the time. Fine, I'll go out on a date with you. It'll never last. So what's your favorite quote from the episode?
9: When everyone's arguing at the dinner table and Deanna yells at them to stop, storms out, knocks over that annoying bell, and then Data asks...
0: Could you please continue the petty bickering? I find it most
9: intriguing. (laughs) Well, it's just really funny. I love Data.
1: I don't have a favorite quote this week. I have a favorite theme, and it's the 80s hairspray. Boy, did the blowout have a starring role in this episode. Even Tasha was rocking a new do at the dinner table. And now, you didn't see it because the scene was cut, but even Worf was rocking jerry curls. Really? No, I'm just kidding.
9: Uh, I totally would to believe you. <laughs>
1: After all, Richard Sabre was nominated for an Emmy in hairstyling.
9: You think it was the 80s hair? I thought it was Luwaxana's hair.
1: I'm sure it was her. It was Ariana's hair, it was Luwaxana's hair, it was tasha's hair at the dinner table because
9: that was part of the episode where she asked her about her hairstyle or something somebody liked it
1: yeah right they actually make a point to talk about the hair yeah in this episode <laughs> speaking of i think Ariana's a beautiful name
9: that is pretty so that brings us to our community question do you think Deanna and wyatt had a chance at making it work or would they have crashed and burned how about this
1: as a side question would Riker have pulled a Wayne's world and stopped the wedding?
9: Diana! Diana!
1: Bashing on the window. No? Okay.
9: And here's my side question Would you want Loaxana Troy as a mother in law?
1: Mm, nah, I'm okay.
9: No, she's so much fun. You do mud baths.
1: Well, that wraps it up for this week's on screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation Haven. <laughs>
2: For this week's astrometrics report, we're going to start with a sound. Can you hear that low frequency clicking sound? That's the sound of two black holes, each about 30 times as massive as our sun, spiraling in and merging to form a single black hole. It's a sonic representation of the first time in history gravitational waves have ever been detected as they arrive at the Earth. The data come from the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory or LIGO. A century ago when Einstein proposed his general theory of relativity, one of its predictions is the existence of gravitational waves generated by the acceleration of massive objects. However, Einstein himself realized that the physical effect of gravitational waves would be so infinitesimally small that he really saw no real hope that they would be detected by experiment. It wasn't until the 1980s that a group of scientists had a practical proposal for building a gravitational wave observatory that might actually be able to attain the sensitivities necessary to make this kind of measurement. The two LIGO facilities located in Hanford, Washington and Livingston, Louisiana, are quite literally the most sensitive measuring devices ever constructed. Lasers are split into two beams that run along four kilometer arms that fall at right angles to each other, reflecting off mirrors and then recombining into a single beam at a detector. When a gravitational wave passes, it ever so slightly alters the total distance covered by the light beams before they reach the detector. This causes the two recombined laser beams to shift in and out of phase ever so slightly with one another, creating a detectable signal. The magnitude of this very slight expansion and contraction of space is truly infinitesimal, equivalent to approximately one 1,000th the diameter of a proton across the 4km length of the arms. So how do scientists know that the signal is coming from distant black holes rather than, say, a local earthquake or someone dropping a bowling ball on the ground a mile away? Aside from the really sophisticated techniques they use to filter out the locally generated vibrations in the system, the reason you have two LIGO detectors is to make sure that they both see the same signal. And that they did. When you compare the signals from the two LIGOs, you see that they really did see the same event. But even more amazing is just how perfectly those signals match the theoretical predictions of the expected signal you would get from two merging black holes, straight out of general relativity. In a way, the two LIGO detectors act like two ears listening for this new kind of gravitational wave signal we're now capable of hearing. And similarly, having two LIGO detectors is like having two ears, helping you roughly localize where the sound is coming from. As more gravitational wave detectors come online in the future, we'll be better able to triangulate and pinpoint the exact locations of future sources of gravitational wave events. So let's return to that sound I played at the beginning. It turns out that the frequencies of gravitational waves generated by these merging black holes as they orbit closer and closer together, fall into the low end of the same frequencies of sound waves the human ear is capable of hearing. However, if we reprocess that sound and shift its pitch up to more comfortably heard frequencies, we can actually hear what the scientists refer to as the chirp. While the total signal only lasts for a couple tenths of a second, you can actually hear the pitch. Go from a lower frequency to a higher frequency, reflecting the increased speed at which the black holes are orbiting each other as they get closer and closer together. In fact, I'd suggest you listen to the sound using headphones, where you can hear the separate channels of the Livingston detection in the left ear and the Hanford detection in the right ear, including the ever so slight delay between the two detections caused by the light travel time as the waves pass Livingston and then reach Hanford. If you'd like to learn more about this historic event in the history of science, we'll put some extra videos in the links for the show notes. Until the next Astrometrics report, I hand it back to you guys.
9: Message coming in,
2: sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
3: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. We had a lot of community questions last week. I'll just recap them for you since pretty much everybody answered most of them, actually. So first off, we had, what Star Trek character would you like to see come back in the new series as a cameo? Then, have you picked up one of the new Tier Six flagships in Star Trek Online, and what are your first thoughts? And then, with our on-screen segment, it was, if you had the power of Q, what would you do with it? And also, how different would this episode have been if Deanna was involved? Do you think she would have influenced Riker any differently, and what gift would he have given her?
4: First up, we've got a voicemail from listener Chris Keane. Um, words cannot possibly describe it. Just have a listen.
10: Hi, this is Chris Keane, and I have just finished listening to episode 258. So I thought I'd weigh in with a couple of the community questions. The first one being, uh, what Star Trek character would you like to see come back as a cameo role in the new series? My answer, Q. The second question, have you picked up the new T-6 ship yet? No. No, I haven't. What would Riker have given Troy? I'm guessing, la la la, I'm not listening fingers. If you don't know what they are, just Google that. You'll soon know. And if I had the power of Q, what would be the first thing that I'd do? Quite simple, I would have Q as a cameo role in the new Trek series. So there you have it. As a side note, I would just like to say uh, Tony's impression of uh, your Colombian overlord was absolutely hilarious. Loved it. And then just as a side note, for those of you thinking of going to the New York convention, I've just got this to say. I've got hugs for you if you're going to Las Vegas, Vegas. Got hugs for you if you're going to Las Vegas, Vegas. Cookie, Kenna, Tony, Winters. I'm looking at you got hugs for you
8: if you're going...
4: Well, um, as I said, words cannot describe. Chris, thank you for your feedback. If I had a medal for best feedback ever, you'd get it. Yeah, that was awesome.
3: One of our Patreon supporters, Stephen Humphrey, sent us a message on Patreon. Just wanted to point out to Kenna that Empire is an all-ethnic, I think, if not then mostly, cast show on Fox. There's actually a few shows with all or mostly non-white casts, just saying. Keep up the good work, ladies and gentlemen. So next up, Sanox Skyrat posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Guys, please don't give the devs ideas on Omega. Sorry, I didn't scream that quite as loudly as he screamed it in the uh, comment, but you get the idea. As an Australian, my net sucks, and it sometimes cannot get past a thousand, and that's if someone doesn't cancel it out altogether. As for last week's question, I wanted to say for me, Star Trek gave me hope. I grew up in a very violent house and then violent youth refuge system under the care of the government. It showed me that things could be better and it shaped me a lot and my view on life. Where people that I knew committed suicide or ended up in jail or other worse things, I had hope and a base to have a normal life.
4: Sean Newboy writes in and says, wonderful show everyone, great job. Community question one, Archer or Janeway? Number two, got the pack, fly in the skims. Nice. CQ3, Hmm, not work for a living. CQ4. Deanna would have been able to cut his... I'm going to go ahead and say shit right quick.
3: Oberon Zero, post on Priority PriorityOnePodcast.com Community Question 1. Janeway or LaForge? Yeah, Janeway! Uh, question number 2. This is the bundle I've been waiting for. The Fed and Rom ships are beautiful, and the KDF ships are fearless in their utility. Question number three, with the power of Q, I'd probably start with the best of intentions and wind up screwing up everything. Omnipotence without omniscience or wisdom isn't worth the trouble. And question number four, with the season one Deanna, she might be insightful or insipid depending on the writing. I have a feeling that her words would move Riker further faster due to their past history. Probably agree with that.
4: Small Yoda says, "I think it would be interesting if the pilot episode of the new series showed the commissioning of the new starship or station and the one giving the speech at the ceremony was Admiral Picard. I think it'd be great to have a diverse cast and crew for the new series because it could help bring us more great stories like the one from TNG and TOS."
3: And finally, David S commented While the statement about casting ideas for the new series, taken out of context, could be negative, it is important to remember that there was context to it. Context which, at least to my understanding, was more about the power Star Trek has and the statement it could make with a non-white cast, or at least a non-white crew. And David S., you completely nailed it. Well done. So, question number one. What Star Trek character would you like to see come back in the new series? Given that I am still convinced the new series will be set in the Abrams-verse, probably sometime after the movies, the only characters that would make sense to me would be Tapal, Shran, or Phlox. Somehow, I think Flocks would make the most sense, but it would be great to see Shran again. And question number three, if you had the power of Q, what would you do with it? If I had the power of Q, I would leave Earth behind and venture out into the final frontier. And given that I would no longer be human, I do not feel as though I would have the right to interfere in human affairs. I have to say, what would you guys do with
4: the power of Q? I'd go back in time and wipe out the JJ verse. Ooh, that's a good eh. one. Mm, that's know. a really good one.
3: Uh, now you know the JJ verse is not you know perfect to me, but I'm quite curious to see where it's going to take us, new frontiers and all that.
0: The first thing that popped into my head was like give myself a hundred thousand zen.
4: <laughs> you think it's starting small? That's yeah. good. <laughs> you want you want You want to start small, small. and then see what Bit the ripples niche. are, right? You know. Don't go crazy with your first one. <laughs> yeah, just just up the bank balance there just a bit. Yeah. See where it goes. I like that. You, you know.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I think.
4: <laughs> I should be able to get everything out of the C store with that. With yeah. the Z store. Ah, I they still say. call
3: it the C store, don't they? It's the cryptic yeah. store. Yeah. Cryptic store. Yeah. It's not the
4: convenience store. That's for damn sure. No. <gasps> <laughs> But I, I, don't, I don't like this, this, this assumption, this, con, this being convinced that it's going to be in the JJ-verse. I don't like that. I don't even like the thought of that. It scares me. That's why I put that quote in there last week about Fuller. About, oh, it's so exciting. What would they be doing? Oh my, God. oh, my. I'm like, no. Stop that. It's the head injury talking. You're drunk. Go home. Uh, that, that, just tell me that it's not going to go there. Tell me, please. It's it, make you feel now,
3: better. I have to ask this question. It's completely off topic. But what's so bad... About the JJ verse? No, this is completely is it because, on topic. Is it because it's you know it's disavowing everything that that we know as canon? Is that the problem?
4: No, my problem is that it's derivative. The temptation to retell Star Trek stories will be exact will be too overwhelming. They do it for the excuse like want a clean slate, we don't want to be bound by canon and blah blah all this kind of stuff, and then they go back and they redo Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And they give nods to every little thing. No, no, yeah. no, no. Now, the Star Trek Beyond is supposed to take them beyond, right? It's supposed to take yeah. them, you know, we're going somewhere completely different and completely off. Of. Okay, that's fine, but then why do you need Kirk? You don't need Kirk. Just oh, get okay. some other yeah. captain. If you're going to go out somewhere True. beyond, you don't need Kirk and Spock and McCoy and all those guys. They're, you don't need them. You. Again, the thing with Star Trek should be you take a bunch of people who have differences and people who are normal folks, who are scientists and engineers and, and, and specialists and educated people who have problems that they solve in the course of their work. That's what makes Star Trek so good. You don't need, it's not the magical Kirk Spock formula. That's not what you need.
8: Is
3: the question that I maybe am not very clear on. When people talk about the J.J. Verse... Are you talking about specifically um, this, this sort of time period where you're, st- where, where you're talking Kirk and Spock and all that? Or are you talking about the divergent sort of parallel universe? Because when I think about the, the, the JJ-verse, I think of the JJ-verse as uh, sort of the divergent universe that had a, that shared a common history with the Prime Universe up until the destruction of Hobus, and then it kind of went off in a different direction. That's what I think of as, quote-unquote, the JJ-verse so when I hear about a Star Trek series set in the JJverse that's not necessarily a bad thing if they go back to Kirk and Spock and all that yeah I'm not sure about that but if it was like like ahead in time or something but JJverse I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that
4: I think I would rather have an absolute clean reboot of Star Trek period like along the lines of Battlestar Galactica um, along the lines with what? how many reboots are we on on Spider-Man now? Like six?
3: Oh, God, like
6: 12. Yeah,
4: I mean, I would rather they completely just cleanly reboot Kirk and Spock five-year mission, you know, throw out 50 years of canon. Just say, 50 years, we're done, good enough, we're going to start a new series with Kirk and Spock and go... I would rather they did that than continue on with the quote J.J. verse because it's, again, the whole premise of it is sort of flawed in my mind. They wanted a clean reboot of Kirk and Spock, but because of the split of the license, there's no way that CBS, who had all the old properties, said, forget it. You're not going to make our property irrelevant. No, you can't do that. And so they did this little trick with the time travel and the verdict. It was because they couldn't get the license settled. That's the only reason why they did this conceit with the blowing up of the Romulus and the black hole. It's the only reason.
8: Yeah.
4: It's, it, to my mind, completely just screwed it up. What they really wanted to do was reboot Kirk and Spock and make them more Hollywood. That's what they yeah. wanted. They wanted a more Hollywood Kirk and Spock, which means that Kirk has to be a bad boy and he has to be younger. And Spock has to be more of a stick in the mud. And Scotty has to be more Simon Pegg. I mean, you know, they had, they. had I think it compromised the whole bit. The, the J.J. is fine for the movies. Let them do movies. That's fine. But the TV, it's coming home to TV where you can do thoughtful storytelling, where you can have series arcs, where you have time to let the characters develop, either make them new characters and really send them out there, continuation of the Prime Universe, or restart the slate, reboot Kirk and Spock like they wanted to at the very beginning, make it a completely new thing, and, and just go from there. I sense, my sense is, we'll get neither. We'll hmm. get some sort of not Prime, not uh, JJ-verse thing that Brian Fuller is basically going to go, well, we're going to keep it ambiguous. We're going to tell a Star Trek story from period X, and it'll be up to you to decide whether it's the JJ-verse or the Prime Universe. I suspect they're going to... That's my guess. They're going to keep it ambiguous. That would be the
3: smart way to do it. I mean, strictly speaking... Okay, well, we we always draw the parallel with The Next Generation, because that was the longest time period between the the, the, the original series and The Next Generation. Strictly speaking... The next generation could have been in a slightly different universe. I mean, it kind of had elements that they would refer back to, but you you don't know if something happened in between. So, I mean, they've always claimed that it was in the same universe, but uh, that's because we had an. Mind this, this...
8: blown.
3: Yeah, I mean, it could be a divergent universe. You don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, they, I did, they
4: did. DS9 did go back to do the trouble with triples things. That kind of makes it prime universe. But I guess there's no reason why. That couldn't have taken place in the JJ verse, theoretically speaking. After 12, 12- yeah. I mean, God, I mean, you know, now we're getting really crazy.
8: But or
3: what if, like, you know, you were talking about all the the um, inconsistent right. types of time travel? Sure. What if actually what happened in one of these time travel bits, where we thought we were stuck in a loop, actually we weren't stuck in a loop. We were generating an alternate universe, and everything that happened after that was a parallel universe. Dun dun like, dun, dun
8: dun dun dun. We could there totally. There is no prime
4: timeline. <laughs> there is no prime time line. It's all an illusion.
3: Tony, you and me, we're gonna write the new series.
4: That's damn right. They should yeah. call. We should call. Yeah. They, call us, Brian, Call Brian, me, Brian, call Brian, us. brother, call me. Yeah. I got just I got. You, I got this for you. I got yeah. this for you.
3: So, should we wrap this up? <laughs> so we're probably done.
4: there. So, Kenna, what would you do with the power of? Ken? Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's how we. Th- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I how. Talk about a tangent. Wow. wow. Yeah. There we go. That was good. Thanks for getting us back online, Winters. You got your, you know, your. I rescinded your your demerits.
3: <laughs> wow, Joe. You know, uh, the power of Q is a tricky one for me because I actually have spent quite a lot of time thinking about this. I think I would first of all go through an existential crisis because if you had the power of Q and you were a fundamentally good person, you'd probably start off trying to fix everything, but you can't. I mean, I don't. I don't fundamentally think you can fix everything in the universe because it just doesn't. It wouldn't work. Like if you literally cured all poverty and all disease and all, and then you'd get down this weird thing where literally everyone would live forever all the time. But where would you put them? And well, I think I'd have a massive existential crisis. Go through a, a quite a long period of very deep depression, perhaps a couple of millennia. Um. And and then I'd probably go back to doing more or less what I do now, but you know maybe without worrying about the bills so much.
4: So what I heard was. I'd spend a couple years drunk and then pretend like it never happened.
3: If <laughs> yes, that's oldie worldly for the like, existential crisis. Yeah, much. that's it's what. Old, I, as soon as you said existential crisis, for... I translated yeah. it.
4: I translated that to Get drunk, and yeah, okay, all right, yeah, okay, sounds good. I
3: would eat a lot of ice cream. Yeah,
4: well, you could just Q zap that away though. It's like you eat it and you know you wouldn't gain any weight or anything, or it's even true. hangovers. It,
3: would be, it would, I'd be Getting omnipotent, drunk. so yeah. it would be completely fat free.
4: Right, be great. and hangover-free drunkenness. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It'd be awesome. Power party Q at Kenna's! Awesome. <laughs> when I got the Q powers, party at mine. Win- anyway.
4: Winters is bringing the extras in. <laughs> and I'm bringing Star Trek 11, which would be like a DS9 movie, probably. I think it would be
0: a DS9 movie. Yeah. Oh, Yeah.
8: Well, we love, I was uh, going to bring us home. Sorry, yeah, sorry. And Ken is yawning, which something.
4: means we got to r- wrap this up.
3: <laughs> wrap it up. Wrap,
4: wrap it up, people. Ken is bored. Okay, here we go. We love hearing from you, so leave us a voicemail by clicking on the speak pipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Podcast, our Twitter page at Priority Pod, and of course, you can always leave a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: Well, that wraps up episode 259 of Priority One Podcast.
4: But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. If you could replicate anything, what would it be? And from our on-screen segment, do you think Deanna and Wyatt had a chance at making it work, or would they have crashed and burned? How about these side questions? Would Riker have pulled a Wayne's World and stopped the wedding? Would you want Loxana Troy as a mother-in-law?
3: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Submit your responses for our community questions in the comment section on our website. You can also leave us a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or tweet us via at Pod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe because we love them. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
4: Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catcher to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
3: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
4: Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. If you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towry can be commissioned at johntauri.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our skits, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for supporting the show.
3: Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert.
4: Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Later, Cookie and Elijah are discussing the TNG episode Haven on our, on our on-screen our thing. In. Beep, beep. In our on-screen
3: Beep, <laughs> beep. It's tricky. It's tricky. Lots of vowels there.
4: Who named it I that?
3: I don't know. Speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about in After Hours. Oh, well, we'll figure it out.
0: If you're born to Las Vegas Vegas,
8: Vegas.
0: i ask for you If you're going to Las Vegas
4: Vegas Sean Newboy writes in into- Oh, did you want to say something?
8: Okay, I'm going to go then No
3: Are beautiful And the KDF ships are fearless in their utility <laughs> But possibly not yeah, beautiful Yeah, I was going to say Anyway <laughs> <laughs> Also, also, fearless and utility are not there, two but... words
4: I frequently see in common. It's fearlessly, it's fearlessly utilitarian is what those are. Okay.
3: <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> what, what is it supposed to say? <laughs>
4: I was wondering what was happening, and I wasn't going to say anything.
3: Omnipotence.
4: Omnipotence.
3: Winters. Winters, you did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Impotence without omniscience is quite sad. Um... Oh. But oh, I gotta start that over. Jeez. <laughs> Excuse me. I just gotta do a quick little inline edit there. <laughs> oh. Jeez, Louise.
8: <sighs>
3: All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> so, question number one What Star Trek character would you. Could... Beep beep. So, question number. What? <laughs> beep beep. <sighs> Given that I would no longer be human, I do not feel as though I would have right to interfere. Oh, for God's sake. I just messed that whole thing up. <laughs> and given that I would no longer be human, I do not feel as I would have to have... Oh, God. Okay. I would have the right to covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, Pokemon, and many, many What?
1: More. No, 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 just, no. <laughs> beep,
3: oh, that beep. was left over from last week.
1: Beep. Beep. Beep.
4: Humongous, <laughs> humongous beep. beep. Humongous blooper. Beep. beep. Yes, that indeed.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.
3: Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, Doom, and many, many Oh, take, cut, cut, <laughs> cut,
4: cut, 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 cut. Ring,
3: ring, ring. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Go for Sonic the Hedgehog next,
4: Kenna. <laughs> oh my You people. You guys are talking, telling that I was taking forever with the show, and I like talk a lot. Good
3: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, shut up, because I'm keep laughing. Okay. Covering the world of Space Sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, Farmville, and many,
4: many more <laughs> Wait, wait, Elijah's not here, so so I guess I guess this is up. this is up to me. A- <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> You're both fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tony. <laughs> what? You just realized that was your paycheck. Damn it! Oh, but you know what? It was for zero quid, zero guineas, and four pence. Wait, I got four pence! God damn it! Uh, oh man, Farmville! I didn't see that one coming.
3: Oh, okay. Ah, oh, right. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, I could hear. Oh, it. It I have great. so many more. I could have so many more that I want to stick in there, but I can't.
0: Sesame
4: Street, wow. Super Mario Bros. On this topic, uh, I did download that crystals game, and it is good. Uh, I know the Star Trek Wrath, the of, the Wrath Gems, of Gems. I think you mean I, yes. Uh, it yeah.
3: is. It is. It is good. It's enjoyable.
8: Yeah.
3: Um. Wah. Wow, right. <clears throat>